ascension after 40 days. Jesus had brought millions of souls from the grave to the sky, and his time in heaven for the celebration of this victorious journey was momentary, as he had left the tomb just before dawn and had to return to earth that same day. He would now spend 40 days on earth as a witness to his resurrection, to seal the plan of his father and see it implemented for the rest of time. At the end of those 40 days, he would return to heaven. He would begin his new mission upon the planet through the Holy Spirit. He would wait for 10 more days before sending Holy Spirit to begin the new mission of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Holy Spirit had accompanied Jesus every moment of his life on earth. He had joined himself to the human spirit of Jesus and had felt every feeling that Jesus had felt. He had known every one of his thoughts and he communicated every thought from Father God to him. Those thoughts became words in Jesus' mouth, and Spirit caused those words to have life and power to all who heard Jesus speak. In this way, Holy Spirit had also experienced life within humanity on the earth. In 50 days after his resurrection, and after Jesus had returned back to heaven, Holy Spirit would become the bond between heaven and earth for all time. Pentecost contains the word pente, which means 50. That was the 50 days. The 40 days of Jesus on earth and the 10 days waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. It would fall like rain from heaven upon the souls of mankind, seeking to awaken the spirit of humanity to the cosmic truth of what Jesus had done in joining mankind to God. This would now become the mission of God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit in heaven and on earth. That same day that Jesus returned to earth, he was in a glorified body that could never die again. We read it in Mark 16 verse 9, where it says, After that he appeared in another form to two of them as they walked and went into the country. That word Another form is heteros morphe. Heteros is another. Morphe means form or nature. So he appeared in an altered form or nature. His body was without the constraints of a limited physical body, but it could be seen and recognised as a natural body. In this spiritual yet natural body, Jesus could appear anywhere and at any time. He could feel and be touched, could breathe and eat and walk and talk, all of which he did when he resumed his earthly visit. He came back and saw again the bewilderment and confusion in this world of uncertainty that people cling to so fervently. And he wanted to see all of this change. He arrived in Jerusalem and heard that the temple priests had fabricated a story that his body had been stolen by the disciples and that they had overcome the temple guards and raided the tomb. He also heard that his disciples were still doubting that he had risen from the dead, even though some of them had come to the tomb. They had seen it empty, and some women had spoken to the angels. He set off walking from Jerusalem in the direction of Galilee, where he had said he would meet with his disciples. It was then that he saw the two men walking together in serious discussion, and he recognised them. 
They were men who would have often come to listen to him and ask questions, along with many other disciples. He greeted them and joined them as they walked. But Holy Spirit had supernaturally veiled their eyes from recognising him. He listened as they spoke and detected the same mood of bewilderment, if not depression, that seemed to be hanging over everybody. He politely commented that they seemed to be bothered about something that was going on locally, and he asked what it might be. The one called Cleopas gave Jesus a puzzled look and said to Jesus that he must be the only visitor in Jerusalem that hadn't heard about what had happened. So when Jesus asked Cleopas to spell out what he meant, the two men smiled at each other and the other man began to patiently explain about the man called Jesus, a great man whom they had both followed and believed in. They enthusiastically recounted some of the miracles that he'd worked and that he was a prophet, the greatest of them all. Cleopas broke in and out of the Jesus stood up for justice and taught them about God. They thought he was going to turn the world upside down and make everything new for them. Jesus pushed them further for more details and they said that they had expected that there would be freedom and prosperity for the Jews for a start. There was a pause. Then one of them gave a sigh and told Jesus how the temple priests had convicted Jesus as a criminal and how he was crucified by Pontius Pilate and that today was the third day since these things had happened. When Jesus asked them to explain the significance of the third day, the two men looked at one another awkwardly and one of them shrugged and said, that the man Jesus had said he would rise from the dead after three days. Cleopas took up the story again and explained that some of the women even went to the tomb and found it empty and reported that they saw two angels who said he was alive and that some of these very own disciples also went to the tomb and found it empty. He too shrugged as he finished talking. Jesus nodded and remained silent for a few paces as he walked alongside the two men. He then very pointedly asked them why on earth they didn't just believe what they had been told by Jesus himself. The other man, condescendingly and a little impatiently, replied that they hadn't seen anything, so what were they expected to believe? It was then that Jesus quietly declared to them that they should have opened their hearts to what God had revealed and simply believed what Jesus and all the prophets had spoken that the Christ should suffer these things and then enter into his glory. He then began to speak about all the scriptures concerning himself. He spoke in detail of the plan of the Father to send the Son into the world. He taught them from the words of scripture about prophecies which outlined the details of his birth and his life and death and his resurrection. Something happened in their hearts as they listened to him even though they still didn't recognise who he was. And the next thing they knew, they were close to Emmaus, which was their destination. They didn't want Jesus to stop talking, so they appealed to him to stay with them, even though he told them he was going further. They asked him to stay at least and have a meal. So Jesus accepted their offer. During the meal, Jesus took some bread and gave thanks for it. And as he broke the bread, their eyes were opened and immediately they recognised who he was. This was the ordinary, extraordinary moment, sitting at a table, life happening, very natural, yet very spiritual. 
eye to eye and heart to heart. Jesus heard Father speaking to him from heaven, telling him that this was the way it was going to be. Holy Spirit would be the one who would open people's eyes to see him and know him as he really was. And that was the way the plan would be implemented from heaven to earth. Jesus then heard Holy Spirit whisper to him, People will speak the truth about you, and I will reveal you to them. The next moment, Jesus vanished from their sight. After Jesus vanished from their sight, the two men decided to go back to Jerusalem and find the disciples who were in hiding, afraid of what was going to happen to them because of the rumours that were going about that they had stolen Jesus' body. They found them and were whisked inside and the doors were locked behind them. They told them of their journey with Jesus on the road to Emmaus and their miraculous meal with him where he had suddenly vanished. The disciples were ecstatic that Jesus was back from the dead and while they were still talking, Jesus appeared in their midst while the doors remained locked. The disciples panicked and thought they were seeing a ghost but Jesus explained to them that he was not a ghost because a ghost didn't have bones and flesh and he asked them to touch his hands and his feet and to see for themselves. Jesus stretched forth his hands and his peace hit their hearts. He breathed his spirit upon them and they received the impartation of his peace and they immediately felt at one with Jesus and with each other. This was just a mere foretaste of what was to come as it would only be after his final ascension and being seated at the right hand of the Father that Holy Spirit would be sent to dwell within them. On the day of Pentecost, Holy Spirit would be sent from Father and from himself upon all humanity. That peace is also the air we can now breathe, and that peace is what we can now impart to others. He could still see their bewilderment, and he knew he had to convince them in some ordinary way that he was real and alive again. So he asked them if he could have something to eat. James scurried to the fire and brought back some steamed fish and some honeycomb, and he held the mixed platter out at arm's length as Jesus accepted it and ate it with gusto. He looked around the room and noticed that Thomas was not amongst them. He asked them why they didn't go to Galilee, where he said he would be going to meet them. They shuffled about without giving an answer, and Jesus told them he would see them in a few days at Galilee, and he vanished once more. The disciples gathered at Galilee, where they used to gather in the large boat shed that belonged to James and John's fisherman father, where they tended to the boats and net repairs. It was situated snugly in a grove overlooking the beach. Peter had been waiting with the others and had then become restless and asked James and John to come fishing with him to get some food for Jesus to eat. While the three were out fishing, Jesus suddenly appeared to the others as they sat patiently, waiting for his arrival. When Thomas saw Jesus appear, he walked hesitatingly towards him and he stopped in front of him. Jesus knew that Thomas had not believed that he had risen. Even after the other disciples had said that they had seen him, Jesus held out his hands towards Thomas and told him to touch his hands where the nails had pierced and to touch his side where the centurion's lance had entered his side. Thomas broke down and wept and told Jesus that he believed. Jesus gently acknowledged his faith that in seeing and touching he now believed. He went on to tell Thomas that there would be many who would believe without even seeing him and that they would be greatly blessed for that kind of faith. 
Jesus comforted him and he disappeared again. Jesus appeared to them again one morning after seven of them had been out fishing all night and had caught nothing. He stood on the shore and watched them fishing, but they didn't realise that it was him. He shouted out to the fishermen from the shore, asking them if they had yet caught anything. A disgruntled no came from Peter to this expert on the seashore, who responded to Peter by telling him to cast his net on the other side of the boat. Peter was about to explode when he heard John cry out that the expert on the seashore was indeed Jesus, the Lord. Peter then yelled to the others to do what Jesus had said. So they threw the nets to the other side and began to pull so many fish into the boat that they could hardly keep the boat afloat. But by this time, Peter had plunged into the sea, swimming for all his might to get to his friend on the seashore, leaving the crew on the boat to work together on the haul. When Peter lurched his way up onto the shore, he headed straight for Jesus and collapsed in front of him. He saw that Jesus had already prepared a fire with burning coals and had fish and toasted bread ready for them to eat. He didn't ask Jesus how he got the fish. Jesus reached down and helped Peter into a sitting position and told him to go and get some more fish from the catch so that they could make breakfast for the others. After they had all enjoyed breakfast together, Jesus called Peter aside. He knew there were things that had to be said between them. Peter's soul was in a turmoil of regrets and shame and guilt. Time and again, he had asked himself why he didn't stand up for Jesus instead of disowning him three times when he was asked if he knew him. And could that have made a difference? He had remembered when the rooster crowed that Jesus had predicted that he would do just that. What was Jesus going to say to him now? Would Jesus disown him, even rebuke him three times? But Jesus asked Peter three times in three different ways whether or not Peter loved him. The love of Jesus owned Peter, and Peter passionately gave himself up to the ownership of God's love. As a true representation of a flawed humanity owned by God's love, Peter was mercifully forgiven and accepted. It was also this moment that owned him, not the past or the uncertainty of the future. This would also continue to be his greatest gift to God, seeking to give each moment to his loving presence. After having his spirit and soul fed with this word of love from Jesus, repeated three times, Peter was commissioned three times to feed God's lambs and feed his sheep. As Peter would go on in life, he would face his many imperfections and he would learn to return to each present moment as in that special moment where he could surrender to the ownership of love, shed his fears and grow in faith as a participator in God's nature. Jesus met with hundreds of people over those 40 days, but on the final day he gathered with just over a hundred of his disciples and followers, including his mother. Jesus took the 11 disciples aside to give them some final instructions. He told them to go into Jerusalem and to wait for Holy Spirit's empowerment. They were to wait in the same upper room in which he celebrated the Passover feast with them the night he was taken captive. He then told them about the fulfilment of the plan. Jesus explained to them that Father had always wanted to have a family of sons and daughters to share his love with them the same way that Father had shared his love with Jesus himself. 
Lucifer had tried to block this plan from the beginning of time by blinding the mind of humanity with darkness, causing a chasm of separation from the living God to exist in their minds and to devise independence in their souls. But Jesus had overpowered darkness and Holy Spirit would come to them and bring them the power of the life that he now lived. He told them he would join their lives to his risen life and that they would become one in spirit with him. Holy Spirit would take Father's love and his own words and place them in the hearts of men and women as a deep consciousness of indwelling, abiding life. He told them they would together be as his body in the world, and each in their own way, gifted with grace and faith from heaven. People and things that happened around them would change as they themselves became more and more changed into being more like him. A dazzling light shone within a billowing white cloud above them. Jesus turned to them all and raised his hands in blessing. He did not need to say goodbye. As he began to rise, slowly heavenwards, he was enveloped in the cloud. And as they stood together looking into the cloud that had taken him, they saw the shining figures of Michael and Gabriel standing to one side. Gabriel told them that the same cloud that they saw taking Jesus into eternity would also bring him back one day in total glory and triumph and the plan will have been fulfilled.